Okay. So this is the third week that we've been talking about John Wesley and, and the general rules of the United Methodist Church. But essentially, as we recall, basically, as John Wesley was sharing with people how excited he was about the work of, of grace in his life, the spirit working in him, and how he came to understand the movement of the spirit getting us ready to accept Christ justifying us and then helping us to grow in that sanctifying grace folks came to him looking for guidance okay so what what exactly does that mean what does it mean to to be a christian and to be a part of your society and he would give given them guidance and basically <clears throat> his guidance came right back to to what the scriptures said it came back to when jesus said the great commandments which were the things that that folks have struggled with over the years, over and over and over and over. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And folks said, okay, so what does that mean? And and in the past, this has sort of been a, how close to the line can I step? That's what we see all through the Pharisees. But as we look at the folks who were excited with Wesley, they were they had been in an experience where church and faith and, and the work of, of God in their lives was kind of, Somebody else did it for them as a part of the Church of England. And this is a movement that, that spread and it got the excitement going, not just in England, but as they came to the U.S. as well. And so folks are striving to figure out, what does it mean to live as a saved person? And Wesley was very clear to make sure that he, he emphasized over and over that the things that he was saying that you ought to do were the result of being saved, the evidence of of Christ being in you, not the requirement for. Not, I've got to do these things, not salvation by works, but salvation by grace. Salvation through the faith. Salvation through God coming and inviting. Right? So, so he also spent a lot of time saying, be perfect as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Jesus said to do this. And, and Wesley wrote a book called Christian Perfection. Where, where his basic premise was, if Jesus said to do it, and even though it's hard, if Jesus isn't going to help me, then he must have misled me. Therefore, I can be sure that with through the work of the Holy Spirit, I can become the person that Jesus calls me to be. I have to work at it, but I'm going to be supported along the way. I cannot do it. I cannot do it. I cannot do become that person. I cannot be saved on my own. It's all about God moving in me. And we talked about that as people came to him and said, okay, so... so Take it further. What does that really mean for me? He 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 said, okay, what well, we're talking about. We're talking about the things that you do, you're doing things, that might have effect on yourself and on other people. Well, they do. You know, if I if I go and I help someone or if I go and I hurt someone, it has an effect on me and on that person. But it's not just the thing I do and the direct effect that that he's talking about, that he's saying that we have to consider and really have to think about. It's why did we do that? What was our motivation? What was it that led us to cheat? What was it that led us to do something worthy? Okay. And then what was that overall attitude, that attitude of the heart that we cultivate that leads us to have the motivation to do things that have effects? Right. We usually start with the effect of the action and the effect. He's like, you know, you got to take a step back, take a step back. What is it about you? What is it about allowing the Spirit to work through you that helps to build up that attitude of love that motivates you to show that love, to share Christ, 
to then do things to be the hands and feet of Christ that help other people. Okay, so it's it's a whole path. And in that, again, people said, "Well, explain this more clearly for me." And he basically boiled it down into, to, as he said, the three core things that, in this case, it was specifically members of these Methodist societies were expected. And we boiled them down as do no harm, do good, stay in love with God. Last week, we talked about the hard one, do no harm. That's hard to understand. What does that mean? What does it mean to do harm? What does it, is it me doing something directly, or is it us as a group, or us as a society? And then how do we react against that? How do we move against that? And that one's a hard thing, because it can become so paralyzing. But the real thing that that in these rules, and for that matter, in Jesus' great commandment that he's encapsulating, is to do things on purpose. Be purposeful in how you live so that you do no harm, so that you do good, and so that you on purpose stay in love with God. We heard from Jerry Clower on our first week where he's like, where are you going to be when you get where you're going? You know, and that's basically he's saying don't go through life accidentally. Live purposefully. And that's the big message that I take out of what Wesley's telling us here. So today we're going to focus on what I consider to be the two easy ones, doing good and staying in love with God. But of course, as we look at what did Wesley mean by doing good, he had a whole lot more words than that, right? He explained it more more precisely. He says in his rules, the second rule, by doing good, by being in every kind merciful after their power, as they have the opportunity, doing good of every possible sort, and as far as possible to all men. Now, there's kind of two edges right as we start here that, that we also saw in the do no harm. And that it's as they have opportunity and of every possible sort. Do all you can, but I can't solve everything on my own. All of us together through the work of the Holy Spirit, bound, binding us together, we can make the kingdom. We can make this be the place that Jesus wants. But that I may not be able today to go solve world hunger, but I may be able to come this afternoon and make a bunch of lunches for must, you know? It's the fact that the problem is big doesn't give you a pass. The fact that the problem is big says you've got to address it, but you may not be able to get all of it. So the things that he says in doing good to their bodies of the ability which God giveth by giving food to the hungry, by clothing the naked, or by visiting or helping them that are sick or in prison to their souls instructing, reproving, or exhorting all we have any intercourse with, trampling not underfoot that enthusiastic doctrine that we are not to do good unless our hearts be free to it, by doing good especially to them that are of the household of faith or groaning so to be, employing them preferably to others, buying one of another, helping each other in business, and so much the more because the world will love its own and them only, by all possible diligence and frugality that the gospel not be blamed." By running with patience the race which is set before them, denying themselves and taking up their cross daily, submitting to bear the reproach of Christ, to be as the filth and off-scouring of the world, and looking that men should say all manner of evil of them falsely for the Lord's sake. That's a long list. A lot of words. Obviously, that is why people kept saying, okay, explain this to me. Explain this to me. But I think it's pretty clear that the do-good bits come out in the things that we expect, right? It's the expected areas. Do good to their body. You know, clothe the naked, give food to the hungry. And this is stuff that, that mostly I want to reinforce the things that we do and say, look, we're, we do this. Let's keep doing it and do some more of it. And as a congregation and as a class, we do a lot of that. Whether it's 
helping set up gardens for the orphanages in Kenya, whether it's the Free Burma Rangers, whether it's setting up schools. We do a lot of this, taking the word out and helping address the basic needs of those who have needs. There was a bunch of lunches out front. I think that must have been from us, right? Okay, so it's still meeting the needs of those who have needs of the body, taking and feeding them. The kitchen at Merciful Redeemer was given by one of the Sunday school classes in the church. Let's see which one was it. I always forget. Is it New Horizons? Maybe. It was either New Horizons or Discovery. But that's meeting the needs of those people. And and in meeting those needs of these young children, it sets them up into a place where they can be more successful and healthier and, and can take the word out further as they go along. Think about as we help meet the needs in, in uh, Glory Outreach Assembly as they're planting churches all over Kenya. And then all the stuff that we've done with Noah's Ark. Isn't that so cool? My mom said one time when she was visiting and and um, Matthew was helping take collection. And she said to me, any church that can make a special effort to help people to participate is doing it right. You know, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing to, to help people feel and to be and to recognize all people that they're part of God's family. And And, you know, this is just kind of part of our nature these days. And so these are the doing goods that we can take. And these are, these are the ones we, uh, we always think of in the doing good section. I have to brag a little bit about this one. So that's my dad. And this is a big billboard for organ donation. And if you haven't signed up, do. Um, he was, he was driving over to the Pittsburgh Zoo for his regular volunteer work. And he drives down the street and there's a billboard with his face looking at him. <laughs> well, the organization core is all about organ donation. My dad gave a kidney years ago. And then a couple of years, I guess it's nearly been almost three years now, my stepbrother died suddenly at 41, and they harvested the heck out of him, right? Anything they could use, they did. And so now he and my stepmother have become spokespeople for this organization. They go around and say, look, give of your body to help other people to live, you know? And, and it's really kind of, you find out all sorts of things you never realized. I never realized that organ donation basically requires that you die in a hospital. Right. Tissue donation on the other side is a whole lot more flexible. The organs have to be kept alive. But so this, this, the main thing I want to say about this is not just, ooh, look at that. It's as we do good in the community, people see that. People see that. We set an example. We set an example on the do no harm. If we harm, we set an example. Remember what we were talking about last week where, where several times throughout the Old Testament and one of the do no harm items was don't make God look stupid, right? It's, it's really about people see you and they will associate, if they know something about you, you with the groups with which they associate you. If they say, oh, you're one of those Roswell people. Therefore, this is the sort of thing I attribute to people from your faith, your church, your your race, your your town, your whatever it is. You get grouped together, whether you want to or not, or whether it's fair or not, it's going to happen. So set a good example rather than a bad. So it's meet the needs of their body. Meet the needs of their spirit. Do good to their souls by instructing, reproving, exhorting. Do good to their souls. Share the word. Help them to know the word. Whether it's in the bush with the Free Burma Rangers. This is a really fascinating picture of our missionary work with the Free Burma Rangers. What's fascinating? Well, how about the dude standing around the outside edges with the guns and the fact that all the eyes on anyone who could be identified are blocked out? Because the opposition trolls the internet just like those who are in favor of it troll the internet. And if they're recognizable, there can be reprisals against those people for being a part of that church group in that area. 
right? They're being awful brave just to be there. And look how many of them are parents with their kids. That's a brave thing to want to bring your kids up knowing Christ in an area where there can be dangerous reprisals. So it's a good thing that we can take and be a part of that. And, and you know, we've said over and over all the amazing work that we have done through through the, the organizations and other parts of the world, like in Kenya with Glory Outreach. And the thing is that, that, that doing good to their souls doesn't look the same in every place. The bush doesn't look the same as a worship center made out of corrugated tin as our sanctuary. But it's all the same spirit and it's all the same Christ. And it's all the same invitation to enter the king and come and worship with us. But it's not just go out. It's help to do good to the souls of, of those here, whether a part of our congregation or whether a part of our city. This, that small group, that one-on-one, helping people to discover and to, to study and to grow. And I think that doing good is not just go help lead. It's go be a part of. It's do good through being a part of study. Go and get involved. Do good to yourself as well. Grow in the spirit and, and take that effort. Yeah, it's like you're saying about the knees. It's it's hard work. It's hard work to grow in the spirit. And sometimes it hurts to discover things, but the end result is doing good. This is interesting. Do good, especially to them that are of the household of faith or groaning so to be. Remember that these rules, as Wesley was putting them together, were not for, quote, members of his church. He was trying not to start a church. He was trying to invigorate his church that he had was a part of and loved. And, and that he was trying to draw people in. So his rules were for the folks who were part of the societies. And the societies were those who had who had received Christ, but also who knew that they wanted to and were on that path, but hadn't yet made the big leap, hadn't yet made that step. So it's draw them in and help them to be a part of the community. Okay, Do good to them by employing them, right? By helping each other out in your, in your day-to-day life of work. By buying of one another, helping each other in business, and so much the more because the world will love its own and them only. And I think that as I look at this, part of this for us is is using that that whole notion of employing and buying and selling from one another as a way not just to do good from helping people to have a job and have an income, but helping them to know the love of Christ. And that's such a huge part of our job networking. I mean... You lose your job and the whole world is falling apart. I have no way then to support my family. I have no way to meet my obligations. And it's a crushing thing. And it can be really, really hard. I mean, y'all know this. Y'all are really, really active in this program. And so so that focusing on not just meeting the physical needs, not just not just sharing the word, but also helping in the commerce to help people to find jobs, to support them in their search, to to help them by bringing them into our family with with employment, with with services. I mean, so like Kathleen and I are doing renovations in the house. We start always when we're doing that. We start by asking around who the folks at church know who we who is in the congregation that that is a good person to start with. That's always a good place to start. And it really all comes down. I mean, all of this comes back to the scripture. It comes back to 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 the 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 sheep and the goats. When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as stranger and invite you in or needing clothes? And and the king says, whenever you did it for one of the least of these, you did it to me. And that's this is a passage that we all know and all all reflect on and, and try to live out. I think that it's also important to tie this back again to Paul when he's talking to the Galatians and he reminds them that you're free in Christ. 
And that freedom goes back to Wesley's initial premises. This is not what you do to gain salvation. This is what you do because you're saved, out of gratitude, out of love, out of being part of the family of God. And that and that we don't show favoritism, saying, oh, well, you know, they're not worthy, because whomever we're dealing with, ourselves included, have fallen. We have not we have not risen up to that level. We have not been perfect as our Father is perfect. But that we know that with the work and the help of the Holy Spirit that we can be those those perfected Christians because we have the grace that comes to Christ. We have the redemption in Christ. So so all of this comes back to firm scriptural basis. Now Wesley had a lot more to say about about that whole buying and selling and earning. He talked about uh, another thing that we attribute to him all the time, which was really, really long that we boiled down because Wesley can't say anything in less than several pages. Um, the the whole notion of, of gain all you can, save all you can, so that you can give all you can. Make the best use of the gifts that God has given to you. Don't just leave them sit on the side. Think about the, the talents, right? Make the best use of all the skills. You've been given skills to go and work and earn money sometimes. Do it so that you can use that gift to forward the kingdom, just like someone who has been given a gift of preaching or a gift of evangelism or a gift of miracles, right? Use the gifts that you've been given. Now, as he listed out the things that we might do, the things that are doing good, it really made me think a lot about the covenant service. And y'all know the covenant service. It's it's a, a liturgy that we've used here many, many, many times. In, in the... the Hmm, 1760 was really the first time that Wesley really put together the, the liturgy of the covenant service. And the, the notion that he had was that my covenant with the Lord is a really, really, really critical and important thing. I need to be reminded of it. I need to not reassert it to make it good, but I need to be remind, reminded of it. But I don't want to make it just a rote part of a liturgy that I do every week and just zoom right past and don't think about. So he said, you know, this is something that we ought to set aside some time at the start of the year each year and and reassert our covenant with the Lord, the relationship that we have, and and to write it down. He said, write this down and sign your name to it as an indication of your seriousness. And and we've done this. Malone has had us do this a lot of times. Mike has done it. And it's usually first Sunday of the year. Wesley would do it sometimes as a watch night service. Sometimes he'd do it on New Year's Day as a separate service. But it was it was early in the year to set the tone for the year. And in that liturgy, he talks about the fact that Christ has many services to be done. Some are more easy and honorable. Others are more difficult and disgraceful. Some are suitable to our inclinations and interests. Others are contrary to both. In some, we may please Christ and please ourselves. But then there are other works where we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. So, Lord, put me to what you will. Make me what you will. I put myself fully in your hands. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you let, or laid aside for you. Let me be full. Let me have nothing. I'll freely and with a willing heart give it all to your pleasure and disposal. Isn't that what we've committed when we accepted Christ into our hearts? We need to be reminded of that. And again, we need to peel it back and be reminded of what exactly we ought to be doing. As a consequence of salvation not as a way to gain salvation. We're gods, and so we need to be God's people fully, not just partly. Right? And this is an important kind of a of a, a reasserting that relationship. 
and, and it's been a core part of our church for a long time. And I think that it's important that we, we continue it and redo it so that we do remember this. And that we're willing to go do things that might not be fun. Sometimes the stuff that you get asked to do is fun. A long time ago, somebody said to me, you know, you ought to think about leading a Sunday school. And I'm like, forget that, not doing that. But I found that initially it wasn't a thing that I was comfortable with. But now I really, I get more out of, of sharing. And I always think more about whatever I'm talking about as I talk about it than I ever could have had I not tried to share it with somebody else, right? And it's the things that you begin to do. It's the ways that you begin to allow God to to use you that that are good. Sometimes it's the right thing to do is to be in the background and to be set aside. But it's it's being fully God's as a part of doing good. And remember, it's not just what you do and the effect of it. It's why did I do it and the attitude of love that cultivates over all of it. The third of John Wesley's rules, the general rules for the United Methodist Church, was attend to the ordinances of God. We We sometimes translate that, Stay in love with God, right? And what exactly does that mean? I, I think this is one that maybe is not so hard, but requires that we pay attention to it, and, and it forces us to really be clear in our priorities, right? There's, there's, I think that there are a bunch of folks, I know there, there are a bunch of folks, who as a part of worship come to Sunday school and say, this is my worship, this is my church, and then they go home. They don't participate in in the worship part, they participate in the fellowship part. They participate in the growing and learning together, but they don't then participate in the worship part. But how do I make a marriage last? Okay, so how is it that, I mean, some of y'all have been married way longer than I've been around. Uh, because my, my, I, my mom is coming next weekend for my birthday because I'm turning 50. And she's like, I'm coming to your house. You'd better be there. <laughs> so we're flying home Sunday night from a wedding so that we'll be there when she gets there. But how do you make that marriage last? Well, don't take each other for granted. You know, and this is, these are kind of one-on-one things, but we forget them. And I think that they really have a lot to, to say about our relationship with God as well. Don't take each other for granted. Do things on purpose to stay connected. Every time you see one of those marriage books, it says go on a date night, you know. Make time. Make time on purpose. Be purposeful. This is this is that don't let your life just accidentally happen. Be purposeful in love. Be purposeful in relationship, just like you are with other things in your life. So you're purposeful in your marriage. That same purposefulness translates into attend to the ordinance of God. Do those things that that help me to stay in love with God. So Wesley talks about it. He says, by attending upon all the ordinances of God, such are public worship of God, ministry of the word, either read or expounded, the supper of the Lord, <clears throat> excuse me, family and private prayer, searching the scriptures, fasting and abstinence. One of my very, very favorite passages is in the liturgy, the litany rather, for um, baptism of adults. I think it's page 43 or so in the hymn. We'll take a look at it when you get into church. It says, the church is of God and will be preserved to the end of time for the conduct of worship, the due administration of God's word and sacraments, the maintenance of Christian fellowship and discipline, the edification of believers, and the conversion of, wor- of the world. All of every age and station stand in the needs, stand in need of the means of grace which it alone supplies. The church is the bride of Christ. We're part of the church. Stay in love with God. Do the things that help keep that marriage alive. So what does this mean? Let's look at some of these. Public worship. A priority for public worship. 
public worship can take on so many different forms. And it's not just about, there's so many different angles you can take on it. It's not just about, oh, I have an obligation to show up on Sunday morning. Public worship is where we all come together. It's where we enter the the kingdom of the, the, the kingdom hall of the king as a group, right? It's where we can experience that together. It looks different. I'm, I'm reminded over and over that, that for folks who don't like contemporary services, that prefer the traditional services, your great great grandparents were complaining about the music that you love as that new modern music they don't like, right? Everything is new to somebody. And, and it's, it's all worshipful and a part of worshiping together and coming together to be God's people, obviously, and out in front. Think about those people in the bush with the Burma Rangers. What's the implication of public worship of God to them? They're risking their life. Are we? Not so much. But we, we, we need to understand and be in solidarity with them. Ministry of the word either read or expounded. Wesley went to the streets. He wasn't keen on that. He was like, you want me to what? Finally, George White had talked him into it, to go out to the streets and to go out to the fields and to go out to the coal mines. And and that really was a big part of sparking that reinvigoration in England that led to so many people coming to Christ and then led to them doing good to create the hospitals, deal with the children's problems, deal with the prisons. Preaching is one of the things that's really outstanding here. We have an awesome group of folks who come and share the word. This is a month where we get the, our associates get to preach too, so it lets them have that opportunity. We need to show up and be a part of it, right? It's 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 a great blessing to have. Communion is one of those that it's just com- re- completely funny to me that that it's so important and it's a low attendance Sunday. Everybody goes, oh, communion, I'm gonna go home, you know, I'm not coming to that. But it's weird. We we can get so much, we can feel so much a part of it. I go to mass with Kathleen sometimes. And and it's funny because, you know, the whole crowd goes, she says we need to learn something from the Catholics. She'll come here and it'll take us forever to go down front and, and take communion. They'll run 2,000 people through in five minutes. They got it down. They have got it down. And, and it doesn't matter where you go. Everybody can figure out the rules wherever it is. But you watch the people who have gone forward for communion. And do it here, too. Watch the people who are coming back to their seats. You can see on people's faces... Some people just are going through the motions, but other people are really in the moment, in the moment of of being a part of that supper with the Lord, right? And we're called to be a part of that moment. And communion ought to be happy like this, right? It ought to be that joyful thing where where it's an exciting thing. It's such a privilege to be a part of that. Remember to be a part of it. Prayer time with your family in private. And this is this is so important, to spend that time together. You spend that time with your spouse, spend that time together with your spouse in prayer, right? And, and it's a huge way of, of staying in love with God and attending to the ordinances. What did Jesus do? He went to prayer. I was I was working with Julie lately on she's been putting together a, a Sunday school series for the fall. And, and I read a book by Mike Slaughter, and Mike Slaughter said, read the New Testament. Jesus doesn't talk about worship going to church, going to big worship very much, hardly at all. He talks about prayer. He talks about doing. He talks about the people being together, being God's hands and feet. Now, does that mean he wasn't going to temple and wasn't participating? No, absolutely not. That was the expected thing. But prayer is the thing that gets emphasized, how he set time aside for prayer, how he taught his disciples to pray and participated in prayer. And that time alone is how we can continue to enter into a one-on-one relationship with God. 
And that goes hand in hand with with not just helping share the scripture with others, but us searching the scripture and being a part of it. As a part of a group, Sunday school class is a great place for this. Bible study is a great place for this. I think that that it's Wesley had classes for accountability and accountability not just in daily actions, but accountability in study. Because if you go study by yourself, you end up on one of those weird websites that has has just all kind of bizarre interpretations, and you might end up down that way on your own. The 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 study and searching of the scripture with other Christians helps us to really hear what Christ is saying and not to be led astray by other forces. So studying and searching the scriptures is another way to stay in love with God. And and look at the power of it. Look at the power of searching the scriptures through divine providence and the work that we've done in, in Africa there. Helping not just pastors, but helping these women as a part of the pastorate to become empowered, to go out to their families and their communities and take on a role that they would not otherwise have had. So this interesting one that he tossed in, fasting and abstinence. Wesley was big on fasting. He would fast on Fridays and on Wednesdays as was the tradition of the church. And fasting was not necessarily, uh, you know, a, a forever fast. It was sort of, it was almost like what the Muslims do, a Ramadan kind of dawn to dusk fast to focus. Sometimes people would take on longer fasts to focus more intently on things. Jesus went to the desert for 40 days. Some of the monks would do long fasts. But this fasting is an important thing because the idea is by not having to worry about eating, by focusing on, I'm uncomfortable because I'm hungry, why is that? Oh, because I'm taking this time to especially be in prayer and to be in study and to be to be with Christ and to remember what who I am and whose I am. That that power of fasting is something that, that we've completely set aside. <clears throat> I have I have a friend who was our pastor when I was in Pennsylvania that, that he's all about it. And during Lent, he'll fast all year long. And then during Lent, he'll go for long fasts. And and it really, he says, it helps him to focus. It's a real focusing kind of a thing where we can take that time and take that effort and spend it staying in love with God. Spend it in the Word. Spend it eating the Word as opposed to eating our dinner. It's kind of like Eugene Peterson has a book called Eat This Book. That's kind of interesting. He's the one who, who did the translation of the message. And he talks about how we can take the Word into us. And I think that's part of the of what goes hand in hand with the idea of fasting, rather than, than having our meal, we have our meal of the Word. And we can do it, like I said, for the focus on other things, to make ourselves in solidarity with those who don't have. How can I understand the plight of the hungry if I've never at all been hungry? Let's try it for a while. We still have the luxury of when we're done going to have dinner, but I can be in solidarity for a while. Take a look at Richard Foster's book. This is a classic book that has, has made such a difference in so many people's lives. Celebration of Discipline where he talks about how can I focus on things like worship? How can I focus on things like fasting? How can I focus on things like prayer? And and to use these as tools to stay in love with God, to attend to the ordinances of God, to, to keep that relationship fresh. And And discipline is another of those areas that we don't like those words, but it's like, Rehab after after a surgery. It's it's hard and it's necessary to to build up that that muscle. So Wesley says these are the general rules of our societies, all of which are taught of God to observe, even in His written word, which is the only rule and the sufficient rule, both of our faith and practice. And all these we know His Spirit writes on truly awakened hearts. So Wesley says, you know, if we want to start with the great commandment. Love the Lord your God, God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
How can we put that into practice? Well, we can do things that help us to do no harm, to do good, and to stay in love with God. But really, it still all comes back to these are the re- results of our faith as opposed and our salvation as a result of rather than <clears throat> rather than the things we do to gain it. The fruits of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. That's about doing good and not doing harm and staying in love with God. And it's about speak no evil of speak evil of no one to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show every courtesy to every same thing, same thing, same thing, same thing, right? Finally, brothers and sisters, same thing. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So it's not just do it, it's be an example. Be an example as well. And this is really about that purposefulness. In the end, Wesley sums up and says, I'm not afraid that the people called Methodists should ever cease to exist either in Europe or America. But I am afraid, lest they should only exist as a dead sect having the form of religion without power. And this undoubtedly will be the case, unless they hold fast both the doctrine, spirit, and discipline with which they first set out. Do it on purpose. Do it on purpose. Don't just accidentally. Cultivate that 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 attitude that oversees your motivations for the things that you do so that the effect of them can be felt. Jerry Clower said it. Where will you be when you get where you're going? You know? Do it on purpose. And and even more, where will we all be? Where will we as a church be when we get where we're going? Will we, will we be an active and vital and vibrant group of God's people? Or will we be the folks that were frustrating Wesley? That he felt like somebody's got a light of fire under these people, right? If we do the first one, we won't have to worry so much about the second. Do no harm. Do good. Stay in love with God. Questions? Discussions? What do y'all think? I think it's a lot of hard work. You know? It's hard work. But I think that Jesus said, "Do it," and said, "I'll help you do it." So we go do it. You know, that's where it comes down. Um, God, yeah. Would we find the three rules of, of discipline in our Book of Discipline or John Wesley's three rules? Are they spelled out exactly that way? With those long words, yes, that is in the Book of Discipline. Okay, that is in the Book of Discipline, and it's 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 part of the ordination questions. Yeah, yeah. The ordination questions include the general, and they call them the general rules of the United Methodist Church. In fact, I pulled all those words off of. Um, General Board of Discipleship website, GBOD. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things that one thing leads to another thing. You know, they, they come really directly out of, of how Wesley wanted his societies to behave based on the core beliefs of the church and the articles of religion based on the scripture. Because it all comes back to scripture. It all comes back to scripture. Um, it's not like they're canon law. They're the rules of church. And, and it's interesting. So there's, um, another, if you're, if you're cruising, the church website. There's been a lot of kind of reassertion of those in the last few years, not just because of Reuben Job's book, Three Simple Questions, Three Simple Rules, but there's a movement called the United Methodist Way that out on the GBOD website too, they have a really good, it's like a 25 minute long uh, uh, presentation that, that plays through. And it says, are, are we in that place where Wesley's Church of England was, where it was just kind of rote? And, and stale and needs to have a fire lit under it. And how do we take our core 
understanding of of the means of grace, for example, and of the movement of of grace in our lives to to reinvigorate the church and it's, look for the United the, it's called the Methodist way. It's it's really good. I mean, um, other questions? Well, why don't we pray? Gracious Lord, we do thank you so much for bringing us together, for bringing us together as a group, for bringing us together individually into your kingdom, for bringing us here so that we can we can strive to to see how it is that we can be your people, what we need to do to do no harm to your world and to your people, to do good to those people, to, to cultivate that attitude that allows us to, to be motivated every single day and in every action to, to do good and have an effect that you would have us to have on your world, to be able to do the things that we need to do to keep our relationship with you fresh and alive and, and, <clears throat> and vital so that we can be your people in all of our thoughts and all of our actions every single day. We thank you so much for bringing us together and for the, the care and concern and the love of these people here. Help us to grow together. Keep us safe as we head out into a week and bring us together again. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. It's also been fun to watch Scott grow in his knowledge and teaching skills. And, you know, I, I guess this is several years that you've done a series for us. Last summer it was about the monks in Egypt. We did the monk, yeah. Uh huh. And that was, I thought, man, I don't want to listen to that. And he made it so interesting, I couldn't stop listening. It was wonderful, and so was today. Jim and I were lucky enough two, three years ago to be in London and get a private tour of the Wesley Center. And if you've not done something like that, it's catty cornered across the street from Westminster Abbey. So the guide took us up on the balcony that looks out over Westminster Abbey. So when there's something going on there, they, uh, the media, the TV people, are sitting up on that balcony on the second level with their cameras looking right down in the door. So that was kind of fun. And we, it was fun to see a statue of John Wesley. He's about five feet tall, little bitty fella, and he was one of the top 50 people of whoever lived in England. So we have a great, great heritage. And one other tidbit, my head is full of useless knowledge. Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's father was the organist at the Wesley, the Methodist Center in that church for many years. The first time they performed Jesus Christ Superstar, it was in the sanctuary of the Wesley Center that he had written. So lots of stuff going on with We Methodist. Come on in, Miss Norma. How are you this morning? We missed you. All righty. Uh, Scott has already <clears throat> done our Bible verse for today, but where are we in the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Yep, just, I'm gaining on it, gone through it. So I had picked that one, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show every courtesy to everyone, Titus 3, 2. So be gentle this week. Have a good week. Thank you.